When was the last time I heard disco at the Stratford <laughs> Festival? It's so much fun. Normally you're like, you know, I've made it. And then the next thing, it has to be like bigger. And the next thing has to be bigger. But I love that you're saying like, a roll's a roll. Your full audition is on YouTube. If uh, you ever want to revisit that. <laughs> I just like said out loud to everybody where I picked up the juggling balls or something and I was like, pray for me. <laughs> Hi everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we have a very special guest. So please welcome Jennifer Ryder Shaw to the podcast. Hey, Jen. Hello. So nice to have you here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. Um, and exciting news, you and your husband, Robert, are expecting. So congratulations on that as well. Thank you very much. And for those of you who don't know, though I'm not sure who wouldn't know, um, you're currently performing in Spamalot as part of this season's Stratford Festival. That's right. So we'll come back to that um, in a bit. But first, we always start our episodes the same way when we have a guest. And um, that is, what is your earliest memory of theater? Oh, boy. Um, my parents used to take me to uh, the shows at our local college. I grew up in Red Deer, Alberta. Um, and they had this great theater program at Red Deer College. Uh, and they would do a musical every Christmas. And I think the very first show I went to was Oliver. And um, there was a gunshot at some point in it. And I was maybe five or six years old and I had fallen asleep because it was a nighttime <laughs> show and this gunshot and I had bolted out of my chair. So I missed half the show, but I remember <laughs> the gunshot and was terrified of that. Honestly, one of the first shows I saw was Les Mis when I was 10 and I had no idea about the gunshots either. And I feel like I was traumatized by <laughs> gunshots in theaters for a very long time. You're like, it's just a sound effect, but it felt so real because I was so little. Well, you know, um, Des, Des McEnough has sort of a technique at the start of his shows that he tries to scare the audience right off <laughs> of the bat and it, and it pitches people forward on their seats. Mm -hmm. Oh. And it really shifts the way that the audience perceives the show. So if you've ever seen Tommy, Tommy starts out with this massive chord and the drums hit and the house lights don't even go down. It just goes boom, boom, <laughs> boom. And we would stand backstage and watch the orchestra monitor. We could see Rick Fox on the monitor and the first row of people in behind him. And <laughs> we would all just sit there and wait because all the people in the front row, it's <laughs> 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 gold. They're just having like a casual conversation, being like, oh, the overture is going to start. The lights will slowly dim. They're like, no, 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 no. you'll be frightened. <laughs> Honestly, a gunshot in a show still scares me sometimes. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm still like taken aback. Even sometimes when like the um, opener comes on for like act two and it's a big like booming orchestra moment, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> jumped. <laughs> okay, let's jump into spam a lot. So interestingly, I, it's kind of a timely thing to be happening at Stratford this summer because it's heading back to Broadway in the fall. So now we've done our research and we've seen you do it. So you're currently starring the, Str the Stratford production as the Lady of the Lake. Um, and I mean, going back even further, Stratford was meant to bring Stamalot to stage in summer of 2020, but obviously that didn't happen for various reasons. Um, but Stratford was ahead of the curve in really bringing Stamalot back because now there's these other productions that, was it at the Kennedy Center that's the one that's transferring to Broadway? Um, why do you think now is the time that everyone seems to be reviving the show? 
I think that audiences are ready for escapism. I think that people, they just want to laugh and be transported into happiness. We had such a long time of no theater at all and so much crap going on in the world that um, I have noticed that the tragedies are not, um, they're not selling as well. Even my, my mom and dad are coming out next week and they were here for openings and they saw Rent and, and, and loved Rent. And I said, do you want to go see Rent again? And my dad said, well, it's kind of sad. <laughs> and there are people that see things over and over and over and over again. And so they're going to come back to Spamalot twice <laughs> instead because it just, it's just happy. I really do think that comedy, farce, silliness is just, is making people happy. It's bringing people joy. And that's where they're, that's why they chose to do it. Mm-hmm. That's that's so true. I never thought of it in that way. Um, how familiar were, were you with Monty Python when you were cast? Um, not overly, but my dad my dad raised me on Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and of course, when I was young, I was like, "What is this?" And but I knew <laughs> you know, the Rabbit, I knew the Knights of Me, um, so I I was aware of it a little bit. And then there's a great documentary. They went on tour. Um, the Pythons went on tour like recently, like before, I think maybe just prior to pandemic. And I watched this documentary on that before I, I started the show to just kind of re-familiarize with it. I love it. It's just, it's just silly nonsense. It's, mm-hmm. it's so much fun to do. It's you, funny that you bring up the rabbit too, because I have seen Spamalot before on stage, once a high school production, once at Mervish in Toronto, I don't even know, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and then this production, I'm like, wow, I forgot about the rabbit. I forgot that that <laughs> happens in this show. <laughs> Uh, one of our um, one of our ensemble members, uh, she actually understudies the Lady of the Lake. Uh, her daughter got to come see the show. It's the first time she's ever got to see her mom perform, and she said that was her that was her favorite part of the show. The rabbit. She loves. I love the rabbits. She's <laughs> she loves violence. She loves everything else. She was like, eh, the rabbit though. The rabbit. Really <laughs> what song did you audition with? Um, did you have to prepare something more comedic for the show? I actually didn't audition for Spamalot. Oh, wow. Um, Offer only. Okay. Uh, well, I, I worked with Leslie in 2017. I did uh, HMS Pinafore with her, and we worked really closely on that production and got along really well. And that was, you know, a different kind of British comedy. Um, mm-hmm. But but we got to know each other, and we got on really, really well. And then years passed, and she came to see Chicago a few times. And um, I think up until you know, pretty close to, it, it was expected that most of the original cast was going to return because I wasn't cast in it in 2020. I was just in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to ask that actually. But. Yeah. Kimmy, um, Kimberly Ann Trong was the original Lady of the Lake and, and she mm-hmm. rehearsed it for, I think they got two and a half weeks, three weeks into rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was killing it in film and TV. <laughs> she's on Run the Burbs and um, she does all this voiceover stuff and uh, she's a good friend. She's she's fantastic. So she kind of went, oh, I wish I could do it if it was only two months long, but I, I can't, you know, be right. she's developing this really great career. And I was like, well, I'm around. <laughs> um, and Leslie had just seen Chicago. So, um, so yeah, the festival reached out and I was absolutely thrilled to do it. But I was preparing because I knew Kimmy wasn't going back. So I was putting <laughs> all the material in the show, getting ready for an audition. But I can't lie, I, I didn't have to actually go in for it. So if you were to audition, what would you have sung? 
I was just learning all the Lady of the Lake stuff. <laughs> oh, everything. Okay, everything. Great. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, um, the legs. <laughs> yes, there are many. Who are you watching? Speaking, who are you watching? Well, yes, who are you watching? Well, I mostly I really love Hannah Waddingham. I mean, I love uh, I love uh, Sada Ramirez too, but um, they are um, much. They have much more agility in terms of pop singing than I do, and mm-hmm. I think Hannah Waddingham is. Um, more that like classic music theater sort of take on it, which is I think where my strengths lie. So I kind of looked to her and I totally copied her ending of whatever happened to my part. <laughs> I mean, I was going to ask, I was going to say, speaking of such a comedic part, like obviously some incredible women have played the Lady of the Lake before, as you mentioned, Hannah Waddingham um, and Sarah Ramirez, but also Leslie Kritzer going back to Broadway, who is so super funny so how do you without like obviously you took inspiration from Hannah but how do you make this role your own as well uh I just I mean I I watch things for inspiration to to sort of go uh what can I steal I feel like every I feel like every creative does that what can I take I've done it since I was in dance calls and would watch people that were way better than me and be like why does she look so good doing that how can I how can oh I like what she's doing I'm gonna do that um so I would you know kind of watch it enough to go, what do I want to steal from that? And then stop watching it and never, never take a look at it again. Um, so that I can infuse some of my own self into it and not just try to do a a total carbon copy. Right. Um, and then of course I'm very visibly pregnant. You have a lot of downtime in this show. Speaking of, (laughs) you know, speaking of your act two song, whatever happened to my part, what, what's going on backstage? What are you doing? Are we answering emails? Are we? <laughs> no, no, I actually, I get really lonely. Um, uh, so my routine, I get to the theater usually, if it's an eight o'clock show, I get to the theater at six and uh, make a cup of tea, put on my makeup. And then I get to sort of connect with all of the different, you know, like uh, my my dresser, Mary Lou is in there and I get to have a chat with her and stage management always comes by to check the props and the wig mistress comes in and drops off the wigs and I get to check in with her. And by the time I've put on all my makeup and I've listened to my playlist and stuff, it's 725, which is our half hour call. And then I have my, I have these little angel cards, which are like little intention words. And I go downstairs to the other dressing rooms because I'm upstairs with all the boys. <laughs> I miss my girls. So I go downstairs and everybody that wants to can take a little angel card that has, you know, different, like, um, like joy or, you know, (laughs) your intention for the show that day. And I go into each dressing room and I just sit around and chat with everybody because I'm already in a wig and a costume and makeup. Yeah. Um, And then I sit backstage at the top of the show with all the boys who have to sing off stage in Finland. And I sit there and I sing with them, even though my mic's not on. (laughs) And then everybody kind of comes and goes and they finish Finland and they drop off the sets and they say hi to Josh as he goes by and then they say hi to McKinley as he goes by. And then 15 minutes into the show, it's time to go downstairs into the trap. And then my act one is 30 minutes long, 8.15 to 8.45. I sing my songs. Then I go into the dressing room and I wait until uh, until interval. I wander around. I talk to everybody again. <laughs> Top of two, I sit backstage with... The Knights of Me, as soon as the Knights of Me come off, I sit with Evangelia and Aaron and Aaron and chat with them. And then we always play a little trick on Josh because he is a fast runner. I, I just sit back <laughs> and chat with people. We're going to get you a TV show to binge watch or like a video <laughs> game or like something, you know? <laughs> it's really nice to just be with my my pals and, and chat with yeah. them backstage. And so I still feel connected to the show. I don't like sitting in my dressing room because 
all that happens is, you know, you look at your phone and suddenly the time has passed and nothing has been accomplished. You're scrolling. And funny <laughs> shit is always happening backstage. I love to be back there and I love to mm-hmm. connect with people. And you can see the show on the monitor backstage. So I watch and I listen to see, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, is there anybody in the audience today? It's very quiet out there. And other times it's like, well, it's Saturday at Stratford and people have had a few drinks. Like, <laughs> this, today this joke not hitting it's funny they like you build in this time because they they land like nine or ten times and then that one time you're like cricket yeah oh my god <laughs> well since you spend a lot of time backstage do you have a favorite song that you don't sing but you get to hear or watch from back there um i love lance a lot i love <laughs> that number Maybe it's also because it's like three quarters of the way through the show. <laughs> like, oh, we're in the home stretch now. And yeah. then finish whatever happened to my part, which is like the big one. Yeah. Um, but I always sit there and Johnny always comes backstage uh, at the top of Lancelot. So I always have a chat with him. And then um, sometimes him and Aiden have a little dance battle and I get to watch them <laughs> dance on the monitor and stuff. And it's it's so, you know, I'm like, when was the last time I heard disco at the Stratford <laughs> Festival? It's so much mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, it's a great number. I'm picturing you backstage just being like, hey, anyone want to talk to me? Anyone? Uh- <laughs> have these little chairs. There's these little chairs right by the, the entrance backstage. And I just sit there in my gold lame and hold my belly. Somebody <laughs> sitting there. Amanda Defreitas and I always have, she has a dad joke at the same moment. every. Show. I said, what have you got today? And she tells me her dad joke. Which uh, really that's show. fun. <laughs> that's so much fun. I'm going to ask you what you you brought us through what your typical like show routine from 6 p.m. let's say to the end of the show looks like. What does a day look like before that? How do you prepare for the show? If it's a show at night, um, uh, I don't do too much these days because I get tired very easily. <laughs> um, I'm seven and a half months pregnant, uh, so I, Robert and I usually walk the dog in the morning. If I have like an errand or two to run. I'll do that, excuse me, get some groceries or something. Um, but typically I lay pretty low. I have a big garden. I'll go out and relax in the garden. I do these like prenatal Pilates classes occasionally, but I take it pretty easy if it's an mm-hmm. evening show. It's hard to not do stuff all day because mm-hmm. then, you you know, I get to the theater and find myself being like, oh God, now I have to do the show. I much prefer doing matinees this year. Because right. I, you know, by the time I've walked the dog and made a nice breakfast and stuff, it's time to go to the theater. And then the show's done. And then I can do whatever I want at night. But right. the nice thing is I'm only doing uh, four shows a week. So it's it's pretty rare that I have to go kind of back to back to back with a bunch mm-hmm. of them. So I can always go, okay, well, I'm tired today, but I don't have to work tomorrow. It's not a set schedule, right? Like every week, it's kind of different what yeah. day the shows are. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Huh. Um, okay, well, I mean, we see a, that. Not go so, ahead. Like, we see that trying to like find a date to come on a weekend because we're like in Toronto. We're like, okay, when are they doing a Sunday matinee? Like, when can we come drive up? And we're like, okay, three weeks from now. Okay, then two weeks after that. Yeah. So it's it's interesting from yeah we from, try like, to see both rent and spam a lot at the same time, but you guys don't overlap that much this um, season. No, no, not a whole lot. Yeah, not on a weekend at least. It's hard for us to yeah. get out on a weekday. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we read your wonderful Toronto Star article where you spoke about um, letting the festival know that you were expecting. Um, take us back to that time. What went through your mind um, when you knew that you had to tell stage management that you were pregnant? Well, it was, it, there was a long lead up to 
the time when I would actually tell stage management. Um, actually, the very first person I told was our costume designer. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I had all my fittings before I was pregnant. Um, because we actually shot the photos for the visitor's guide in February, I think. So I had all these fittings oh, wow. in January. And because the, I mean, the festival has my measurements from over the years and they, they know my body well, they're like, well, we don't need to see you till we've got these built kind of thing. And I think it was February 19th was when I found out I was pregnant and we started rehearsals on March 3rd or something. And then my next fitting, I was looking ahead and going, okay, I'm going to be nine weeks or 10 weeks pregnant. And already like my own jeans are, are not fitting. And, um, and if anybody knows your body, it's people that work in wardrobe, but that can right. instantly tell. And so I finally, I was like, I have to tell somebody. And I hauled David Beckler, poor David Beckler into my dressing room and was like, I have to tell you this because we're going to have a fitting and nothing is going to fit me that I am pregnant, but it's too soon to tell anybody. And he, of course, was thrilled. He was so nice. He was like, oh, yeah, we'll make changes. We'll, we'll totally adjust everything. And he redesigned and... um. I was supposed to wear this like sexy tight little cat suit thing for um for the Camelot number. I was like, so how about maybe not that? <laughs> Is that the you're in like the purple jumpsuit for that? One. Yes, I love it. <laughs> um, which actually turned out so beautifully. But uh, yeah, so he was the first person I told, and then I am you know I'm 37. I was 36 at the time, and um, when you're over the age of 35, they advise you to get some extensive testing to test for a lot of different genetic conditions and stuff that are more prevalent when you're over the age of 35, but you can't get that testing down until you're, you know, 10, 11, 12 weeks. And then you don't get the results back for another two or three weeks. We didn't even want to tell our parents until we knew for sure that the pregnancy was viable. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it was just this awful waiting game. And then I, I finally, I reached out to, Uh, the producers first, actually, Bonnie Green was the first one I I called and said, it's still too, too soon for me to be telling anybody this, but I have to tell you because I'm, I'm starting to get stressed out. And she was thrilled. She laughed on the phone. She went, Oh my God, I was hoping that's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) What a great reaction. Um, So as soon as she was thrilled and excited about it, I kind of went, Oh, I don't think this is going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was right before our first uh, tech dress because Leslie never even saw a sketch for that purple costume. And she <laughs> was expecting to see this blue tight catsuit thing, a totally different wig. And uh, so I, I hauled them into the stage management office at the end of rehearsal one day and, and told them. And I think they were all like, oh my God, is she going to quit? Is she going to quit? And I was like, Fine. <laughs> And they were just, everybody was, was thrilled and there were tears and, um, yeah, but I think because I'd, I'd sort of told it just, like, you know, David and had told Bonnie and um, and had had good reactions from them. I, I wasn't nervous at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been wonderful. It's it's interesting, like, it, because you've been at the Stratford Festival for so long, you have longstanding relationships with, you know, uh, management at the company, the costume designers, so that... Um, correct me if I'm wrong, did that make it a little bit easier to tell people because you were friendly with them or you were friends with them or harder? Well, I think, I think easier for sure when there's an established relationship there and there's, you know, like it it goes beyond, oh, this is the person that builds my costumes. It's like some, these people were at our wedding 
These, mm-hmm. Some of these stage managers were there when Robert and I met. And, you know, they're, I'm invested in, I know their children and I'm invested in their lives. They're invested in, in ours. And uh, yeah, so it was, it goes beyond um, a, a business kind of relationship. It's, it is very personal. And I knew that, I knew that everybody would just be excited for us. Yeah. And oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, nobody was going to be annoyed with it. And I also knew, you know, I'm not, I'm not playing a role where it's going to necessarily affect the story. It would have been, you know, had I been cast in rent, <laughs> it might have been a different, it might have been a different kind of situation. So how is doing the show? Um, how is it different from performing in other shows when you obviously weren't pregnant? Uh, I am a lot more careful in this show. And I mean, of course, this isn't a big um, dance track by any means. There was going to be more dancing in it before I said I was pregnant. I was in the Laker girls number. When they throw Josh up in the air, they want to throw <laughs> me up in the air. And I was like, well, I'm more comfortable with me. <laughs> on the ground. But, but the first, you know, four weeks of rehearsal, I was being lifted and put up on shoulders and doing these dives. And and it was, I mean, it's fine in the beginning. And I spoke to my doctor about all that. And they're like, yeah, you're fine. You know, maybe don't do like anything upside down, but yeah. you're fine to do all of this stuff. But I kind of, in the back of my head, I was like, as soon as I tell them that I'm pregnant, they're going to take me out of this. And that's exactly what happened. Um, but now as I've gotten, as I've gotten bigger and your balance can kind of start to shift and like the blood volume in your body is, is so much greater that even to go from being bent over, tying up my shoes to standing up, you know, right. we all get that little like whoosh sometimes if you haven't had enough to eat, but being pregnant and being kind of like weighted out in the front slightly differently <laughs> than it was, it's just like kind of multiplied a little bit. Um, so I, I, it's just a sense of extra care, which I don't love because I, the, the thing that I love about performing is the abandon um, right. that I get to feel, you know, like I have a lot of nerves and I have a lot of anxiety about performance, but once I'm sorry, the dog is here. <laughs> Come on in. Um, but once I'm actually on the stage, I feel so free and I feel that kind of wild abandon, you know, like it's like the nerves leading up to starting Chicago and sitting in the swing waiting to fly mm-hmm. in are all up here. Yeah. But then the second that the lights hit, it's like this total freedom. And then being pregnant in Spamalot is like, <laughs> no, no, we're walking down the stairs and we're going slowly and we're walking right. carefully. And we're I holding two hands. We're holding- yeah. I did trip down the stairs a few shows ago. And like Johnny was right there, he had me and he caught me. My butt didn't even hit the deck, but the whole audience went, <gasps> Yeah. It's just like the worst feeling because <laughs> my job is to make people feel like they're in good hands and to feel comfortable and not have to worry. That's like the worst thing. You know, you're watching a show and somebody does some like tumbling pass across the stage and they're too close to the edge. The audience is not enjoying that. They're stressed. Right. They're like, Is that mm-hmm. person okay? I never want the audience to be going, should she be doing that? Is she okay? <laughs> and of course, right at the end of the show, I down the stairs, <laughs> he caught me. And then of course I have to bow by coming down the stairs again. So I made a bit out of like walking down. <laughs> then I left and I was like, can I have flats? Can I wear flats? <laughs> in the cool. 
So I have new shoes starting. Uh, yeah, because you go up and down those stairs like multiple times. It's like Even the only dangerous thing I do in the show. And I, would, I would trip. I honestly would trip too. <laughs> I'm not the only one who's tripped, but I am the only one yeah, yeah, the audience is feeling just slightly more stressed for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will have to say, when we saw it, I was definitely not stress-free for you. It didn't feel like, mm-hmm. it didn't feel that at all. You f- seemed, like, very confident. And it felt, which is, like, leading to my next question of, like, the gestures that you add to obviously show that the lady of the lake is, in fact, pregnant, you know, like, rubbing your belly. Is that something that, like, you came up with? Did you talk to, um, like, director about it? Like, how did this come to be? Um, Leslie really wanted me to, to, to do that. Um, I, I wasn't really big enough for it to be (laughs) obvious, like at opening. Mm -hmm. Um, the only costume that it was really apparent in was the, the, the wedding dress, which is the pants. We love the pants. I know. That's one of my favorite costumes I've ever worn. When you came out, I turned to Steph. I was like, she's wearing pants. I love the pants. I love that. So so good. pants. Um, So that, and before I told everybody that I was pregnant, Liam, Liam, he told me, he was like, that first time I saw that costume, I was like, oof, they did you dirty. (laughs) Oh God, she's pregnant. (laughs) Like, thank God. (laughs) Because David had said, he's like, well, we can change it so that it's, you know, it flows. And it, I was like, well, no, like, we're, I'm going to grow. It's going to be obvious. Let's just mm-hmm. celebrate it. So yeah. it wasn't until opening night at the very, very end that I, I, I rubbed my belly and kind of did a like, yes, I am Cute. pregnant. And, you know, in the beginning I was wearing, I was still wearing the original costume, which was the the corset. And they were just, they just kept like adding leather panels to it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I didn't look at it. I think anybody that saw Chicago would be like, oh, you know, Jen has maybe put on a little bit of weight. I didn't look pregnant specifically. Right. Yeah. And then once that costume started to get uncomfortable, I would put it on and then the baby would just start kicking like crazy. And I was like, this is awful. I need a, I need a change. Um, they built me this this leotard, basically. That's just a stretchy gold lemme. And then they did all the stuff on it. So that one, once I got that costume, it was like, she is very clearly pregnant. Yeah. So as soon as I come out of the trap off the top, I'm, I rub the belly and then that started to get a laugh. And I was like, okay, I just need to be like, yes, I am. <laughs> I am indeed pregnant. Yeah. You are not hallucinating. Yeah. That's true. You don't want the audience to be like, what's, is she like, yes, acknowledge and then keep moving. I, I didn't want it to take away from the comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want people people going like, ooh, like, should she be doing this? And yeah. also, is she, do you think she's, I think she might be pregnant. Is she pregnant? Yeah. I didn't want that. I want, <laughs> you know, everybody to be listening to the lyrics and laughing at the jokes. Yeah. Well, I'm speaking gonna, of that so, costume, okay. um, when we met Robert after Rent, he was like, oh, just wait till you see Jen. She looks like Wonder Woman. And we didn't really know what he meant by that until we saw your entrance. We're like, oh, she does look like Wonder Woman. <laughs> Love this costume. Um oh, so is this something that like would happen regularly? Like, would you work with the costume team in another, like if you were not pregnant, like how involved would you be as a cast member working with um, costumes? Uh, I mean, every designer is different. Um, and obviously like if everybody's wearing the same costume then you don't get yeah. a whole lot of say. Right. It. But um, my experience here has always, pretty much always been with the- <gasps> Okay, buddy. Okay, I know. Wanna say hi? We, we, we wanna, wanna say, say hi. hi. Do you wanna say hi? 
Ronald. Oh, goodness. Ronald. Ronald. What a name. A great so name. Cute. <laughs> Speaking of designers and costumes. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a bit of a luxury of time here. And so when I've been um, playing a, a role where I'm not wearing the same costume as everybody else, there is um, there's definitely some, some input. Um, and sometimes it's simple things like can it can the strap be thinner or wider? Right. Um, and other times, you know, like this year, it was like, I don't think, and I could, totally could have worn that tight little cat suit. It just would have been very obvious early on before mm-hmm. I had told the cast. And right. I think I was just feeling uncomfortable about that. But mm-hmm. now, if that costume were presented to me, I would totally wear it. And then, um, uh, and David was totally open to design changes. But yeah, no, most of the designers here, they want to help the actor inform what the character is. Um, so it is definitely a collaboration. And that goes like from everybody from the wardrobe team that's building the costume, the mm-hmm. designer and their assistant that is creating the design, the wig, um, the creators of the wigs, you know, and they're very open to suggestion and color options and, you know, it's it's a very collaborative yeah, experience. It's, it's actually one of the most fun parts of, <laughs> of everything is like getting to put that all together and then getting to see everybody in what the creations are. Yeah. I remember I, I was a dancer and I remember like the most exciting day was when everyone tried on their costumes for the first time. We're like, ooh, look at this, look what you're wearing. And then, you know, you do fittings and, but you know, you would see it for the first time and like everyone's wearing the same thing or like trying on like a solo costume. Like you're like, oh, this one's mine only. Or you get to pick <laughs> a little bit. You get to be like, ooh, yeah. I can put a rhinestone here. I can do this. Yeah. Um, so I definitely relate to that. Um, so, Kind of on the same note, I Hamilton is playing here in Toronto, and I just saw the Anne Peggy tour. And the actress who's playing uh, Mariah and Peggy is also pregnant. And I knew that before, and I was watching, and I told my mom, I'm with my mom, and I was like, Mom, did you notice that? And she's like, Honestly, I really didn't. And she, I think she's even more pregnant than you. She, she's very pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, similarly, her husband is playing Aaron Burr in the tour. So they get to kind of do this together, and she gets to continue doing this role. She's not acknowledging it in the same way that you are just because I don't think that would make sense for the time period is a little different (laughs) not a comedy person um, it doesn't make sense for the role but I it was interesting for me to see kind of um, basically like just a week apart two actresses in major shows being pregnant continuing to work whereas I don't think let's say like five years ago ten years ago that was something we were seeing as much Um, and so it was I don't know it was very exciting and in many careers, I know women are nervous to tell their employer if they're pregnant or not. Um, and I, this isn't really a question, I guess, but more just like a statement that how much I loved seeing you, um, you know, being pregnant, continuing to work for as long as you can um, and getting to see that more and more in the theater industry, not discriminating against pregnant women or women in like a childbearing age um, as we continue to move forward in theater. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. And it, it, since I've become pregnant, I it, it seems that they're like coming out of the woodwork. Of course, because now <laughs> I'm looking for it for it. And I've had um, 
I've actually had a lot of messages from other women in the Canadian theater industry that said, yeah, I I remember when I was pregnant with my son and my daughter and I lost out on a whole summer at such and such a a theater because of it. And I couldn't do this show or they wouldn't let me do the music man as a pickle little lady. And I was like, why couldn't a pickle little lady? (laughs) All the pickle little ladies are like, I know it's like 1910 Iowa or whatever, but they're all like the married moms. Why couldn't she be pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. Um, yeah, there there are a lot of them. I saw um, Hades Town uh, in New York when Robert and I were there in December. And I'm watching and I, I, uh, I leaned over to Robert and I said, is Tara pregnant? Because mm-hmm. um, t- uh, Tara was on for Persephone. And uh, he said, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember just kind of going like, oh, well, then that costume did her dirty. <laughs> and then the next, the next day she put it out on Instagram that, she, she, was was, that she was expecting. And so she was somebody I reached out to right away because Robert mm-hmm. um, actually worked with her. I've never worked with her, but Robert got to work with her out in Edmonton. And I just like early, early on, <laughs> seven weeks pregnant, I was like, so how'd that go for you? <laughs> You're like, That's no reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, and she, and she was lovely. And then I kind of did like a deep dive into Broadway performers that have performed while they were pregnant. There was one dancer that was like 39 weeks, went to, wow. to 39 weeks. And I can't remember what production. <laughs> I want to say uh, Laura Benanti did. And she did like She Loves Me Pregnant, if I remember. Yeah, until I want to say like 25 weeks. So I'm like trying to find out how long I'll <laughs> I was like, how long should I go? How long should I go? Yeah. How long are you now? (laughs) Like, how many weeks has it been now? uh, Well, I'm 20. I'm just over 29 29 weeks. And I have put in my notice. I'm done on September 3rd. September 3rd? Oh, so soon. Oh, so soon. I don't even know if this episode will be out yet. But it will be. This episode (laughs) will be out on on the 28th. So, yes, it will be a a final push to see you in the (laughs) a lot when this episode is released. I have 10, 10 shows left. Wow. Wow. Well, congratulations on that, too. (laughs) You've still done so much. Um, It's interesting, too, because literally today, uh, just this morning, we were um, messaging each other. Here Lies Love on Broadway just put out um, that they're offering um, childcare for parents for matinee performances, for performances starting in September. So I do think that this is, like, kind of becoming a bigger conversation now, as it should. Mm -hmm. And it's nice that, like, all communities are, are taking part. So, yeah. I would love to see uh, like a Stratford Theater daycare because like, our, uh, you know, our hours are so different from it's you know, so a regular nine to five kind of situation. Yeah. And there are a lot of there are a lot of theater babies out here in Stratford. And there's actually a bit of a baby boom in this town you know, <laughs> amongst our friends. We just had our baby shower yesterday and oh. I was like, wow, look at our village. This is amazing. All these all these little kids, all these little families. Yeah, that's so nice. That's, so, that's funny. A Monday baby shower for theater people. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Our wedding was on a Monday. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's free. <laughs> um, let's go back in time a bit to last season when you were in Chicago. Um, you started as Velma Kelly with the festival. This was the first major production um, outside of Broadway and the West End in 30 years. And you were leading it. Um, I understand that Velma was a bit of a dream role for you. So what was it like to finally get to play her? Um, it's, it's funny that you say dream role. I don't really have dream roles and I, I don't know as I ever necessarily described her as a dream role before I did it. But after the fact, 
I was like, I, I don't really have a bucket list, but then I finished the show and I'm like, I'm glad I took that off the list. Like, check. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually went in for Roxy. Um, oh, wow. And I was called back for Roxy. And I learned all of the Roxy stuff. And in one of my callbacks, Donna said, can you learn the Velma sides? And I remember... <laughs> I'm so I'm such an idiot. I was like, I, am I? Aren't I too young? <laughs> <laughs> this was pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah, or whatever it was, and uh, and she was just like, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, I guess so. It's just like I always picture like Cheetah and BB and right, <laughs> but when you know when they did it, they were in their thirties, and so uh, whatever in 2019, I was thirty. Um, so yeah, uh, then I, I, I learned all the, the Velma stuff and then I had a good chat in the room and they said, well, what do you, what do you think? Like, what do you like between these two characters? And I remember going, well, I love that Roxy gets to do the Roxy number with all the boys. And wouldn't it be fun to do like this big, massive number with all those, those boys. (laughs) And Donna went, yeah, but Velma gets to do all that jazz. And I was like, oh, yeah. Velma. Nice. Velma. <laughs> Velma sounds like way more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went back in and went back in. And um, yeah, so I was, I was, I was thrilled to, to get to do that role. Um, it, was a, it was a dream. The first rehearsals in 2020 were a dream. And I was desperately sad when everything shut down. I remember crying in the kitchen Aww. with Robert because, you know, at first we all thought it was like two weeks. And I remember uh, Gabe Antonacci, who's a good friend of ours, who was in that show as well. He had um, moved in with us because his wife had just been in Florida and she flew home. You know, everything was shutting down and she was sick. And so he was like, I'm going to come and stay with you guys while, you know, Robin's at home. So yeah. he was staying in our, our basement and we were just having, a great, we were like summer camp. We're like, let's go all the nice sauce and like cook all this fancy food. And, and then we did like the big town hall meeting where everything shut down for Stratford. And Gabe was like, okay, well, I'm going to go home because we're obviously not going back to rehearsals. It doesn't matter if I get sick. Right. And so he kind of packed up his bag and he left and Robert and I just kind of stood in the kitchen and I just like burst into tears. Um, so yeah, it was a long time. It was a long time to wait, but then it made it all the sweeter because we were all just so happy to be back. Yeah. You could tell with that production, it was, it felt like you guys have been waiting a long time, which you had been waiting a long time, but (laughs) it was just nice to see everybody get to do such a like big show again once everything was back um, in the theaters. Yeah, it was very special. And I mean, everyone everyone knows Chicago, whether they've seen it on stage or they watched the movie. It's even just announced, like, returning to Toronto here um, in the winter. So you can catch it again. I think um, it's like the eighth there, or ninth time it's been in Toronto. It's something yeah, crazy like that. Back. Yeah, It's still running on Broadway. Um, was there anything that stood out to you about this specific production that you hadn't seen in a production before? Uh, well, the only production that I have seen is the one in New York. And I saw it in... The like early 2000s and I loved it um mm-hmm. I loved that ours couldn't have been more different um because I think you know there's an expectation when it comes to Chicago I think 
it's it's a fairly inexpensive show to do costume wise because people expect to see you know the black leotards and fishnets and yeah. this minimal um orchestra and it's not full of great big gigantic sets and stuff and I love that between Michael and uh, Dana and Donna, they created this sort of like opulence that would have really existed in that time in Chicago with the color, you know, because you think of Chicago and you think of all black. Um, and I think that was also one of the sort of caveats of getting the rights to do it at Stratford was that it's going to be on a thrust stage. You can't do Fosse and it can't look anything like New York. Right. And they were like, no problem. Let's do something totally <laughs> different. Um, uh, which is not to not, I mean, the Fosse choreography is iconic and extraordinary and it will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, but I think that what Donna created on that thrust stage was innovative and new and exciting and really, really fun to do and really, really impressive to watch. Um, yeah, I don't. I think everything was different about our production. <laughs> that, that is something kind of I wanted to ask about is because Chicago is so normally tied to that specific Fosse choreography. It is like one of his most well-known works. Um, then you're involved um, with um, reimagining with brand new choreography um, choreographed by Donna Fior, who also directed it, right? How much of a collaboration is it with her or is she just being like, you do this? How much of it is you showing her, I can do this, or I can show you this? How much do you get to work on it? Similar to with Rosanna. Um, well, Donna always does like a ton of prep. Um, mm -hmm. so she she comes in with the, the big numbers are, they're, they're planned. And you usually, you know, it usually starts with kind of broad strokes. And then there will be portions of like, she'll go, I want this part to have uh, everybody in like partner lifts what do you guys have kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then it's about the input from the individual dancers that are like, I'm comfortable doing this this many times a week and I'm happy to go upside down or like, let's try this. No, that doesn't work. And there'll be kind of workshop sessions of that or um, let's change this formation because that's not working and stuff. But it's definitely those big numbers are planned. Um, and then when it comes to the, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but like mm -hmm. can't do it alone was a lot of us just kind of throwing all of the ideas on the table <laughs> and uh, and then whatever kind of stuck to the wall is is what we wound up with. But it, um, um, most of it came <laughs> from Donna. She was <laughs> like, oh, well, this tiny tricycle. And I was like, I am <laughs> not going to do anything. I, I was going to say, you said throwing things for the wall for ideas. Weren't things being thrown at you oh, yeah. physically during that number two? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that, I mean, that started in 2020, and I was like, what if we did this? What if we did that? And then you had two years to think of more things. <laughs> yeah. both of we're going to have, like, uh, spinning plates at one point, and the spinning plates, just like, it wasn't landing, because they're, like, plates that are stuck on the, the things they can't Yeah, on. it's hard. And I was like, I used to know how to juggle. Like, let's get some juggling balls. Let's throw some juggling balls in there, and then the popping top hat and stuff. And mm -hmm. it's like, there's so many things that could go wrong in that number, which is also what made it fun, because when they did go wrong, <laughs> like people audiences love that shit it's yeah like i missed the saxophone one day and the saxophone was made of plastic and it just <laughs> oh no <laughs> like buttons of sa saxophone all over the stage and move on <laughs> i knew i had to i knew i had to hug it down the bomb to henry 
And with that, was so unsafe without even because <laughs> it had gone too far upstairs. I just grabbed it and thank God he was there. It could have just gone right into the audience. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that yeah, would have yeah. been exciting too, though. Objected to the audience. Love audience participation. You caught it the day we saw it. <laughs> I, more often than not, I, I did catch it. I think there was a, I want to say like eight or nine shows where one thing or another got dropped. And there was one particular show where like nothing I did worked. <laughs> And I remember that, just that like getting happens, in the though. middle of the number and I just like said out loud to everybody or I picked up the juggling balls or something and I was like, pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I, could, I couldn't do anything right. That always happens, something you've done a million times and you're like nailing it, nailing it, nailing it. When it ma- matters, it's just nothing happens. No, yeah. nothing so the opening right. night, I was like, please just let me catch all the things <laughs> on opening night. That's all I care about. I just want to catch everything on opening. <laughs> oh. Um, just talking a bit about Stratford in general, this is your 13th season with the festival? Correct. Something like that, yeah. Um, did you always start on stage or what was your first job when you um, started with Stratford? Uh, I started in 2010. I was in Kiss Me Kate in the ensemble mm-hmm. and, uh, and Evita in the ensemble. Um, and then you had a breakout role playing Peggy Sawyer in 42nd Street. In, in 2012, yeah. In 2012. Um, when you think back to that time and like breaking out from the ensemble, like what goes through your mind? I don't, I mean, I don't think that careers in this business are linear like that. Um, I I got to do that role because somebody turned it down. And mm-hmm. um, at the last minute, I was already in the ensemble of that show and I got bumped up and it was really, really exciting. It was, that was one of my favorite shows I've ever done. Um, and then I was back in the ensemble the next year. I, I was out of Charlottetown, you know, and then I was in the ensemble for uh, Carousel and The Sound of Music. And I was understudying all the leading ladies that season. And then I had a small role in the chorus line and then I got to do uh, HMS Pinafore and play a big role and my first thing back after COVID was in the ensemble of Holiday Inn at the Shaw Festival so I think we saw that we did. oh did you yeah so yeah. I replaced somebody that didn't come back because that was a remount one of the ensemble mm-hmm. people didn't come back and I was like I'll do it I'll do it put me in <laughs> yeah God, I sent a tape and 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 got to go down there and do that show and had a blast doing it so um I've never felt like Aha, I've made it. <laughs> and now- no, I love that because I feel like that's a, such a fresh like perspective. Not that we've like talked to anybody that's ever said anything different, but like normally you're like, you know, I've made it. And then the next thing it has to be like bigger and the next thing has to be bigger. But I love that you're saying like a I wasn't, a I wasn't asked back to Stratford after 42nd Street. The next and the mm-hmm. next year was um, crazy for you. And mm-hmm. it was uh, there was a height requirement. They wanted five foot seven and taller and I'm five foot six. And I mean, if I try really hard, I'm five foot six. And so I, I wasn't asked, I mean, I tapped, I tapped my ass off in, in 42nd street and then crazy few rolls around and I wasn't, I wasn't asked back. I didn't get cast, mm-hmm. you know, so you can't, um, I, I'm a firm believer in what's meant for you doesn't pass you by. And I I really love playing roles. It's really fun, but it is um, it is a big weight to carry sometimes, and I do deal with a lot of anxiety surrounding that. And I have a lot of like 
uh, obsessive sort of rituals that I have to do when I'm playing a role and I have to do my routine just right or I get really stressed out and I'm very, very hard on myself. And then to go and go down to the Shaw Festival and like sing the soprano line and tap dance in a beautiful Christmas show is so um, gentle on the spirit and calming and comforting and full of happiness mm -hmm. and joy. And I can go and have a beer with my friends after and not worry about shouting at the bar. That kind of thing. So I love doing it all. I just like being in a room with good people and doing good work. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you're, uh, the difference between like being part of a team or being, let's say, like the captain of the team, it's like being part of the team is sometimes you're, you're supporting everyone else, but it's not all resting on your shoulders the way that it is when you're leading a show. Um, so I can definitely... Um, see why you would enjoy kind of flopping back and forth and yeah. doing yeah. doing whatever comes to you. And it's yeah. also funny looking at, you know, Stratford, every season they do a few musicals and a bunch of plays and sometimes they suit you and sometimes they don't. And that's not like personal, let's say. It's just, mm -hmm. it is what it is every year. And then you find something else or you find another job, but it they didn't choose, let's say, crazy for you because they didn't want you back. It was like, this is the show we're doing this year. And it's not, yeah. Um, I think and then the speaks, next year, maybe it will suit you. I think it speaks to the quality of the work here too. You know, it's you don't just get in and then you're in. It's like no, now we're doing a show that is a, a legit operetta. Well, if mm -hmm. you were doing a rock musical the year before, not that I mean, <laughs> a lot of rock singers are fantastic operetta singers, but <laughs> you know. Sometimes those skills don't transfer or, you know, we're doing operetta this year and next year we're doing a chorus line and we need really, really strong dancers. So you don't just get yeah. to be, you're not just in. And, and I mean, that's hard. We own a house here. We pay a mortgage here. Mm -hmm. We like to work here a, a lot. <laughs> but, you know, you're going to see a quality show where a lot of thought has gone into the casting of, of these people. Mm hmm. Okay, let's jump to another category. So something we have in common, I mentioned a little before, um, I grew up as a competitive dancer from age six to 17. Is that something we have in common? Oh yeah. <laughs> what, what, a, what a childhood. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I loved it. Um, I was here in like the GTA, various studios. Um, and I think a huge part of where my love of musicals and theater came from was um, the studio I went to, one being backstage all the time and the studio I went to um, for the majority of my childhood was um, really focused on musicals and theater. And they would kind of stage this like musical at the end of every recital where they would all lip sync. It was very weird, but like very fun. <laughs> um, so how has that specific experience as a competitive dancer impacted you as a performer? Like what have you brought from that to this? Uh, oh, I would definitely say the work ethic, mm. you know, the work ethic of growing up in that world of, um, well, I, I feel like you're a bit younger than me, but when when I was growing up in, in the competitive dance world, it was very strict, heavy training. There and I, and I say this with the utmost love because my sister <laughs> and I are actually still very very well, close. She was at my wedding, um, but it you know you don't get a compliment. It was very much you know if if she said nothing, then that was the compliment. Okay. It was a good day. <laughs> That was a good day because you, you weren't getting a, you know, once I was a bit older, she, we would get a good job. Um, but yeah, you, you really learn a work ethic there. And it was very much like, I mean, you can't, you can't do this these days, but she would, <laughs> would say, you know, if you're sick, bring your bucket. 
<laughs> like you have to sit at the front and watch and with your bucket. Um, but you know, the, and then as we got older, once you're in high school, it's kind of only the kids that were really serious about it. And we danced every day. We were there every night. We were there all weekend. We were competitions all spring long and then dance camps in the summer. And um, yeah, it was, it was the constant uh, striving to just work really, really hard. We didn't do a lot of, um, you know, first, second, third place competitions. We did a lot of mm-hmm. festivals. So you're graded on, on your own merit and then, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever grade you get. to Platinum, gold, yeah. high gold, whatever. Yeah. And then occasionally we would maybe do one a year that was for second, third place. And so mm-hmm. those were the ones that you were really like, okay, well, if we played <laughs> these 30 dances, then that's a big deal. Um, and you know, we didn't always, um, and so that was a great lesson in, you're not always, you know, you don't always get to win. Um, I, being at a competitive dance studio actually made me start singing because there was a small studio that, uh, people could rent out. And there was a singing teacher that rented out this small studio. And, um, I had a break in between classes when I think I was maybe 10 or 11 and, it was not a great part of town. It was across from the bus station in Red Deer, um, Alberta, where I'm from. And there was a coffee shop right next door. There was always live music. And so, of course, <laughs> my parents are like, you're not to go to the coffee shop. You're not allowed <laughs> to go in there with all these, like, teenagers smoking outside and whatever. And so to uh, dissuade me from going upstairs and going to the coffee shop, my dad went, do you want to start singing lessons? Oh, wow. <laughs> like, fill your time. You're, yeah. like, booked. So... Uh, and I was like, sure. And then walked in and I don't think that they expected that I, I was sort of, um, I was a really good mimic when I was a kid. I could listen to like an opera voice and then I would mimic it. And my parents would be like, what the hell? <laughs> um, and then I had a couple of good teachers that were able to hone that skill. But it was because of my dance studio mm-hmm. that this other thing came into play. And then they were like, well, let's keep you busy with that. Let's keep you busy with this. But yeah, it's definitely the work ethic from from competitive dancing. And I, I danced competitively right through college too. I went to Red oh, really? College for two years and I still competed. I competed in adult categories because wow. I missed it so much. I only it, stopped when I went to Sheridan. Wow. Oh, wow. I, it was, for me, I stopped right when I finished high school after when I went to university. I was like, it is like a crazy lifestyle change when you were just like in school all day and then you know, at the dance studio all night, and then you have all this free time the next year. And I was like, what's going on? Yeah, how, you don't um, know how to fill it. Yeah. You don't know how to fill your free time. You don't know how to eat properly. <laughs> no, it's like you'd go, I would get my Wendy's, and then I would dance from like <laughs> 6 till 10.30, and then go home and eat like half a loaf of bread, because it'd be starving. <laughs> right. And then go straight to sleep, which is great, amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have water bottles on. I was just talking to my husband about this. I was like, did you drink water as a kid? And he's like, no. It's like I would dance all night. Nobody had a water bottle. It's that's so true. it's really true. It's really true. We wouldn't. We weren't bringing water bottles in the studio. I agree. I, I'm like a little bit younger than you. Like not crazy, but like just a little <laughs> bit. So I think it's pretty similar. Pretty similar. Um, and then one more kind of throwback. I was actually an avid viewer of the hit CBC television show Triple Sensation. Jack. Oh lord. Um, <laughs> 
And anytime we have someone who's been on some sort of reality show, we have to ask them about it. Um, so along with many names that we recognize, we were looking at your season's cast. Um, your Spamalot co-star, Liam Tobin, was on your season. Yes. Um, and some of our favorite performers like Tess Banger and Haley Gillis. So our go-to question is, what was the craziest part of your reality TV experience? Okay, well, sidebar, Tess Banger was my maid of honor at my wedding. So <laughs> Did um, you meet there? Is that where you met? No, no, we went to, we were in the same class at Sheridan. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and then Liam was a couple of years behind us. Um, what was the question? What was the craziest part of that experience? Yeah, the craziest the reality. part of your reality TV experience. Oh. I, well, I think the most fun part of it was we got to go to circus school. Um, oh. Yeah, there's a, and I can't for the life of me think of what it's called, but it's, I want to say maybe in Mississauga because we had to take a van to get there um this incredible circus space and we got to go on like the full flying trapeze and i wonder if it was them. the one in downsview yeah. because i have also been to circus We've school <laughs> in toronto where i got to do the full-on trapeze so much fun and there's, Amazing. A big net, so there's no risk at all um, and they told me I was good. They were like, you should yeah. take lessons. I did like a, wand, a, a class drop in and they were like, you're pretty good. <laughs> I've never, my arms have never been so sore in my life. As, I think we did two days there. And, oh, you, wow. had, you know, one of the things was like, pull yourself up this rope as a warm up. And I was like, oh my God, like yeah. no upper body strength. They're like, hold yourself on the rings and then try and flip upside down and um but the the flying trapeze was so cool and then we we actually got to like figure out how to hang upside down on the flying trapeze and then reach out and and get caught Across by someone. the person wow. teaching it swing and then let go and land that's and so fun that's something that like i never would have done <laughs> had i not uh, been on that show and that was a day that i think all of us were like mm -hmm. this is awesome yeah yeah. I mean, also some pretty big names, though, attached to that show, like Cynthia Dale, Sergio Trujillo, uh, Trujillo and like Marvin Hamlish. So like a, a lot of like the greats that you get got to work with. The other one, which actually was was not filmed or maybe one of the classes mm -hmm. was filmed. But um, they, I remember they only filmed like every three days. So we actually got to do like oh, get wow. some presentation without cameras. So they were like. They yeah, were actually nice. trying to foster talent, not yeah. just like for the TV show. That's great. Yeah. And Larry Moss came in who like, mm -hmm. there are many famous actors that uh, credit him for a great deal of stuff. And he did some really fantastic acting work with us. Really, really intense, emotional kind of work that um, at that age was, it was, it was a lot to take in. But looking back, I was like, that is that was a pretty spectacular experience to have and then of course you know marvin hamlish just tickling the ivories like no big deal <laughs> well yeah, he's an egot winner like or, or close to like yeah, yeah that, that was pretty amazing and i didn't know i mean i knew who cynthia was but i mm -hmm. didn't know her personally and then a few short years later we were playing opposite each other in 42nd street which is wild i was wow. gonna say doesn't she have a star on the like stratford walk of fame yeah. <laughs> amazing we also did like workout classes via zoom <laughs> over over the pandemic i was like hey cynthia <laughs> lifting her like i can't wait <laughs> Love that. Your, your full audition is on youtube 
if, uh, you, <laughs> if you, want want <laughs> you want to revisit no I never I never watched it um I think okay. I watched the, the first episode I watched and I was just so uncomfortable like hearing feedback about myself that I was mm. like this is not for me and I never watched the rest of the episodes for the best and I don't this is the same reason I don't go out the stage door <laughs> oh really outside. you don't need yeah. to hear yeah I just I I just am an awkward socially awkward person a little bit and honestly uh, same you know, we are too <laughs> don't know what to say and you know 99% of the time people just want to say like great job and then yeah there's that like one percent that they say something that you just don't ever forget <laughs> they're like right. You look different than last year. Like, you're like, what does that mean? Yeah. Or like, like yes, do I smile like, and not like keep walking? Do I yeah. not like? I never can think of what to say in the moment. Somebody last year was like, "Well, I missed the Fosse. And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I, I'm so, I'm sorry. I don't. All right. I don't know what to. I don't know what to you're say. Like, I'll let them know. <laughs> well, well, that's funny. Down. Oh, man. That's funny. Um, okay, before we wrap up and get to our obsessions, we do have a little bit of a rapid fire for you. So this oh, is Personality Test Drive. Okay, if you're on a road trip, what is the cast recording that you're listening to? Ooh, ragtime. Good choice. Okay, what is your miscast? If you were a role of the op- sorry, a role of the opposite gender, if you had to sing... A song oh, from a role of the opposite gender. What George, is it? Song in the Park. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, if you were to step into a theater tomorrow, which of your previous roles could you perform? Could I perform? None of them. I have a terrible memory. <laughs> okay, let's say if you weren't pregnant from memory, you could <laughs> nothing? Not even that. No, none of them. I could maybe get through all that jazz. Okay. <laughs> That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> okay, what's a movie you would turn into a musical? Barbie. Oh, whoa. It was so good. I was like, this has to be Barbie on Broadway. Who would we be asking to write the music for Barbie on Broadway? Or is it like a bunch of pop people a la like Like, Moulin Rouge? No, I feel like like Sarah Bareilles could do it. Okay. She has Barbie energy. Like Mark Ronson did the like soundtrack. Um, Of the movie. I'm I'm, I'm bad at the trivia. (laughs) You're all good. You did a lot of work with like Bruno Mars, but like, it, what oh, is yeah. that? Is or he like, a singer? Is he a producer? Is he both? I don't know. I think he's like a producer. That's a good question. We don't actually know that much either. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is your favorite composer? Sondheim. Great choice. Um, what's your favorite style of dance? Jazz. Old school theater <laughs> Um, favorite costume you've ever worn? Favorite costume I've ever worn. I absolutely love the wedding dress in Spamalot, but I the all that jazz costume at the top of the show for Chicago team. What is your favorite spot to sit in when you're in a theater? Um, like three quarters of the way back on the aisle. Doesn't matter what side, I just gotta be on the aisle. Um, favorite show that you've never seen? Oh God, I've seen them all. I've seen them all. <laughs> what? Wait, no. Into the woods. 
Wow. Yeah. You guys so didn't see it when you went to, oh, was it closed by the time you guys were in New York in December? No, we just didn't, we didn't make the list. We were seeing like what's on TKTS today kind of thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. this is not part of the rapid fire, but what did you see when you were in New York in December? We saw Town and Kimberly Akimbo and okay. the Rockets Christmas Spectacular. I was assaulted by the Rockets. <laughs> Assaulted. I had no idea what to expect and was like, oh my gosh. We we saw them too last time we were there together. We was- we went to a 4 p.m. show on a Friday for the Rockets. <laughs> when the camel came out, we were beside ourselves. I was like, oh, there's 3D glasses and there's like, yeah, the glasses, the glasses. Flying everywhere. People were showing up like 30 minutes late. I was, yeah, it was, it was chaos. Yeah, everybody sit down. We're trying to watch the dancing. <laughs> it's December. People are in shorts. Like it it's very, very a lot. Yeah. And you know what? I it was between that and some like it hot, and I didn't know anything about some like it hot. And I literally, Robert was like, well, "What do you want?" Because I was like, "I want to see something with dancing." And um, the Rockets. And I literally went, "Eeny meeny miny mo." Okay, <laughs> we're going to see. Also, a cheap ticket to see the Rockettes on TKTS. It was. It was. Yes. But some like it hot was on TKTS too. And then when I saw them on the Tonys, I was like, oh, before uh, <laughs> seen that. Yeah. I mean, the Rockettes, the Rockettes themselves, don't get me wrong, the Rockettes themselves are phenomenal. Oh, we loved like, it. We had a great time. time. But they really pack people in. All the extra, the 3D goggles and the things flying in the audience. And the, the live animals. The live animals. <laughs> and then, like, all of a sudden, we were, we're going to church. And, uh, and I was like, Oddly more religious than expected, honestly. Much more religious. I had no idea. Had, I, and then Robert's like, well, it's sponsored by, what is it, QVC or, like, the Christian Shopping Channel oh or something. I was like, oh, oh, is it? Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's why, wow. I guess that's why that whole religious section is there and they're like the african kings go by and i was like that's a six foot tall white woman <laughs> but okay our we we went on a tour so we saw the rockets on friday we were in new york together like pre-pandemic and then the next day we went on like a broadway walking tour and we were chatting to our tour guide about it and we're like we didn't know about the camels and he's like oh yeah he's been there for 30 years <laughs> does he get to see the sun does he just live on stage the, it's, it, he goes so out on questions. ground level but I'm assuming it's a he the camel like his dressing room is on oh, ground yeah, did level they say so that, he, and then after it's over they like he walks into a truck and then they drive yeah. him off oh. so I don't know where he lives the rest of the year but they, do, they do like four shows a day there though is it different camels is there an understudy camel I think, uh, that's I think a great question that's a really good question I don't know it's a lot I don't of work know how many camels there are and there was other, is there sheep or donkey or something there were more than Probably. more than just the camel. I thought the sheep might have been fake, but I don't know. There wasn't. There was another set of animals that went by. And <laughs> You're I probably right because the budget sheep. on that is large. The yeah. is large. God. Uh, and then and all the little kids, the children are like, "Yay!" Excited, <laughs> and Robert and I were just horrified. It's like those poor animals. Oh my god! All these people are yelling. Like, and everyone is buying the stuffed merchandise camel <laughs> along with like a t-shirt. <laughs> Like everything else, not us. We what? can we to get out of there. And how about yeah. like calling five thousand people through four metal detectors? <laughs> like trying to get it. I was like, if we didn't get COVID before, we definitely yeah, this getting is it now. Like, this is a super spreader. This is yeah, a super like spreader. just as bad as Times Square New Year's Eve, basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay, back to the rapid fire. Um, Steph, you're up. Okay, what is your go-to karaoke song? I don't sing karaoke. I cheer Robert on. <laughs> Do Robert on? Is it because like you're a singer and people have expectations for you? I honestly feel like some people 
are just bad at karaoke and I am one okay. of those people. And <laughs> there's this expectation that because you are a singer that you mm-hmm. it's like sing karaoke and then you go and you're like, ooh. And I just, yeah. it just makes me uncomfortable. I love going to karaoke and watching other people have a great time at it. Yeah. And sitting in the corner and cheering them on. Amazing. You need to get one of those like private rooms. You need to get that. I have done that. I did that actually for Robert's birthday one year because he oh. loves karaoke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think I sang uh, some Guns N' Roses. Amazing. Okay. Great. You're to do like a group number so it like, <laughs> eases your way in. Um, okay. Your guilty pleasure musical. Guilty pleasure musical. Well, I don't. Th- I don't know that I necessarily feel guilty about it, but I love Susical. Great. I think it's it's such a special little show, and I've loved it since I was very very young. And any time it pops on, it always makes me cry. Ah, very sweet. Okay, what is the character that you've played that is the most like you? The murderous bitch Val Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like Velma was a lot like me. She was like a diehard performer who just like loved that world of like old school, super theatrical. Um, So minus the murder part. Okay. (laughs) We'll look past it. You're going to hit it 100%. Yeah. And finally, a dream show to co-star with Robert. To co-star with Robert. Oh gosh, people say this all the time. Like, you guys should do so and so and so and so. But oh, he's been really on the parade train as of late, and that, that's actually a show I really love too. And that it, I don't know that I could do it, do that with Robert because it just would mm-hmm. be so emotional. Yeah, it would just be like even watching him do Evan Hansen. <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me, I was there on opening night, and it was so hard. It's hard to watch your partner be so vulnerable and sad and and he was you know weeping on stage and I was mm-hmm. like I don't think I can come to see this <laughs> uh-huh. um so it would be pretty spectacular to get to sing that the parades for mm-hmm. yeah him, but it, it, maybe a concert version <laughs> he told us he told us that he wants to do Sunday with you so yeah but we both want to be George so it, <laughs> so it doesn't work out you do it in rep and you fly every night <laughs> Listen, he'd make a great dot. You could totally Let's do, do it. it. You could do Let's it. Pitch. Just Every night. Piece. You could just sing in the original key. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, so we asked you to, be co- to come prepared with an obsession of the week. So it's now time for our obsession of the week. Steph, you'll start, then Jen will come to you, and then I will finish us off. Okay, so Steph, what's your obsession? Okay, so this past weekend, we road trip to the Shaw Festival and we saw the production of Gypsy, which we loved, was great. And it reminded me of from the 2008 cast recording. So the funniest number to me is Dainty June and her farm boys when Louise is in the cow costume. It <laughs> cracks me up every time. Every time, every time. So in the 2008 revival on that cast recording, Laura Benanti is playing Louise and she's I don't think she's actually in the cow from what I understand, but she's doing the mamoo mamoos. And just on the cast recording, if you listen to it, she sounds so bored and uncharismatic um, doing the mamoo Um And it just, I cannot listen to it without laughing. It is so funny. And so it is just that like simple comedic choice of her being so terrible and uncharismatic <laughs> saying mamoo mamoo in like the back of a cow. 
three times. And that is her only contribution to that number. And it's so funny. I have a moo cow, a new cow, a true cow named Caroline. She's an extra special friend. That's what I'm obsessed with this week. Here's your joy. Okay, Jen, what are you obsessed with this week? Oh, okay, mine is a little bit more expanded than that. Um, Great. <clears throat> uh, is, so I have I have this friend Lauren who uh, who I met last year. She's a she's a big fan of the festival and stuff, and she lives nearby. And she came to see Chicago a few times and reached out to me on Instagram. And she's heading off to theater school this year wow. and has you know kind of asked for some advice and stuff and we've gotten to be buds um but sh she and I were out for for a dinner and she was talking about you know she was about to go to New York and all the things she was going to mm -hmm. see and she was going to see into the woods and Sweeney Todd and she was so excited and uh and then I was talking about the first time that I went to New York um and one of the first shows I saw was Sunday in the Park with George and I think it was a revival that had come over from the UK and the the design of it was so cool um it it literally started out just totally white you know he says what a, a, a blank page or canvas yada yada mm -hmm. but then they did all these projections and that was kind of the early days of of projections it would have been 2006 or 7 mm -hmm. but the whole opening number you see like a hand start to sketch on the set Stop me. You, maybe you maybe you saw it too, but um, oh, I've never seen this. So as he's starting to to talk, and then someday in the background, mm -hmm. and you see like these trees, and it's all in pencil, and it's white, and it's pencil, and then things get filled in, and then the people sort of start to come in, and then the colors wow. start to be incorporated, and it's like, uh, and I was explaining it to her, and she and she's a she really likes on time too, but I she had said that she didn't really know Sunday that well, and I was like, well, you have to get to know Sunday. I feel like it's a show that. <laughs> rarely gets produced because it only appeals to artists when it does get produced it doesn't tend to sell all that well and but that production I remember just being like jaw on the floor thinking it was so cool and then uh and then when I got home from dinner with her I started going down the rabbit hole because I wanted to send her <laughs> all these all these videos that I'd seen and she had talked about the Tonys and stuff and she was like oh parade this and then I was like yeah but did you see the Brent Carver parade <laughs> there's there's a video of Brent Carver doing the same song on the Tonys however many years ago so I'm sending her that and then I sent her that Sunday and then it just sent me down this this rabbit hole of the original Sunday which I owned on VHS yes and, and, at Peter's. and I just started like I was sitting on my couch on my phone not even on my computer comparing the opening numbers from the whatever <laughs> and this 2006 version and how innovative it was in the 80s with like I mean her dress that opened up and stuff yeah these, mm -hmm. the dog like was this little thing that popped up and then they got its tail to wag and how back mm -hmm. then it was like this theater magic thing that happened and then how they took that and recreated it again and yeah so that was kind of my I've always been obsessed with Sunday but I kind of reestablished that because I have this pal who I think she just maybe she just turned 19 Wow, who is obsessed with theater too, and I'm like, I don't know <laughs> these ones, and I share them with you. So that's my obsession at the moment. No, that's great. We that's haven't great. seen that, and now we'll go down the rabbit hole because we always feel like we are 
we know a lot about what's happening currently in theater news, but like blind spot to us is like the older thing. So I'm excited to see this. Well, that so watch that and then watch they do like a reunion concert many years later, mm -hmm. and Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters sing "Move On" together, and you can just tell that these are two people that had this extraordinary, beautiful connection. Yeah, back in that original production, and then they come together and and sing this song so many years later, and it's just like. I can't listen to that score without crying either. It's, I love it. We we actually, one of the last things we saw before the pandemic was your maid of honor, Tess Benger, in Sunday in the Park with George here in Toronto. And we walked away. I don't think we'd seen her in anything before. And we walked away. We're like, no. She's amazing. She's a star. We're like, like, we <laughs> have to see her in every single other thing that she does because she is that good. Oh, yeah. she's a she's a wonder. I love her so much. She's in a, you know, we have these this like kind of, close-knit uh, circle of friends from my class at Sheridan that I can't see any of them do anything. Like they open their mouth and I'm, <laughs> like, I, can't, I can't not cry. The second, like, it's like the lights go you're down. You're so proud. You're like, you're like that's my child. Proud. Yeah, T Tess is extraordinary. Tess did a really beautiful production of Cabaret um, in which she played Sally Bowles uh, in, in London. Did you see that one? It was in their yeah. small space. And they were supposed to do it else. Oh, maybe they did do it somewhere else too, but it got cut off anyway by the pandemic at one point and and didn't wind up happening. Um, but it was this really small kind of immersive production and she was just outstanding. And then we were supposed to go for lunch after and walk down the street with her. And I was like, I just, and I think. Oh. I need a minute. <laughs> yeah. Not to like be a love fest for her too much, but we saw her do Alice in Wonderland, like, it's like the beginning of the year. Which you won a Dora Award for. It's one of like <laughs> our favorite things that we've ever seen. We were so are shocked. Are they, they are? Yeah, they're bringing it back. <gasps> Is that we're going to go. She's <laughs> <laughs> on her way now. This can be the Test Bedro show. We're out to Montreal to do Beautiful. Oh wow! She'd be so good at that. She yeah, she's, so doing, that. she's doing it there. I think it's a co-pro at the Seagull and then MTC. Wow! Yeah, so she's going to be kicking ass as Carol King. That's so fun! That's wow, great. just a whole cheering section for here for her <laughs> on here. Right now too. She's here for the baby shower. So, Aww, <laughs> <goodness>. <laughs> um, okay. Well, my obsession of the week, um, Little Shop, has been off Broadway for many years now and i feel like they've just extended themselves until 2025 which is wild because their ticket sales must be that good um wow. but recently there's like a broadway in bryant park um and joy woods who's currently playing audrey was singing suddenly seymour which then led me down a rabbit hole to watch every single video that she's done and i watched <laughs> the like produced suddenly seymour with her and matt doyle at the time and mm -hmm. i just love Joy Woods and the sound of her voice. And we think that she might be leading the notebook that's going to Broadway next year. Oh, we don't yeah. know, but um, she did the out of town tryout. So I just love this. Like we've, I saw her on Broadway in six um, last year. Was that last year? I think so. Two years ago. I can't even remember. It was last year. Um, it was last year. And she was wonderful in that as Catherine Parr. And now hearing her sing as, um, Audrey in Little Shop. She's amazing and I can't wait to see what she does next. So I feel like that specific performance, but also just Joy Woods as a whole is my obsession this week.
end of our episode. Thank you so much, Jen, for joining us today. It was so nice to chat with you. And as you said, you're leaving September 3rd, Spamalot. Yes. So everyone that's listening to this episode on the day of release, you have about a week, not even, I think, a few days, five, to days. See, five <laughs> days to see Jen before she leaves Spamalot. Um, and if you don't get out, Spamalot's on stage until October 28th at the Avon Theater in Stratford. Um, yeah. It's actually on until November 12th. <gasps> oh, extended. Extended. I mean, I don't know if that's public knowledge, but they sent us an email, so. Oh, my it'll, goodness. It'll be public by the time this comes out, so. <laughs> because the website still says October 28th. That's so exciting. That's really exciting. So um, you definitely wouldn't have made it. I mean, like, they can't fire me now. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> You've already like, given your notice. Not. You've already left. Yeah, what, what are you doing now that you're like, I'm leaving? What's the... <laughs> Let me if just drop boost ticket sales. You can go until November 12th. Yes. As, as far as I know, we got an Amazing. email. We believe you. That's yeah. exciting. That's super exciting. I'll have a newborn uh, by then. <laughs> Very exciting stuff. Um, and if you want to listen to any of other, other episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also watch us on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a comment. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at off 2 boa podcast with the number two. And thank you again, Jen. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And we're very excited about your upcoming baby. And we can't wait to see what you do next on stage. Thank you very much.